Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. That I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? What is truth? By and large, our culture denies that truth even exists. They say things like, I have my truth, and you have your truth. Or they say something like, there is no absolute truth. Which, if you really think about that statement, is one of the funnier, most ironic statements ever made. At the same time, if you try to assert your truth about a great many issues going on in our culture, you quickly find out that you're not allowed to have your truth, especially if it goes against the teachings of the day, unless you promise to keep your mouth shut. Of course, the reason for this is that apart from Christ Jesus, people are in slavery to lies. They need the truth of God's word. They need the truth who is Jesus Christ. It is the truth of the gospel that sets you free. It is the true teaching of God's holy word that frees you from the lies that leave you in bondage. It is the truth of the gospel that is the only thing worth living and dying for. Now, oftentimes people don't think doctrine is all that practical. That true teaching is not that practical. It's something that matters to maybe theologians and pastors, but not something that other people should be concerned with. How does that mean for my day-to-day life, pastor? So does doctrine matter? Do the truths that people confessed and died for 503 years ago, do they still matter today? One of the documents that was left to us, one of the confessions left to us, was a formula of Concord, and in it, we confess, they confess this. By God's grace, with intrepid hearts, we are willing to appear before the judgment seat of Christ with this confession and give an account of it. We will not speak or write anything contrary to this confession, either publicly or privately. By the strength of God's grace, we intend to abide by it. Therefore, after mature deliberation, we have, in the fear of God and by the calling on his name, attached our signatures with our own hands. They said, look, we're willing to stand before God's judgment seat with this confession, believing that this confession is the true teaching of God's words. They were willing to die for it, because they knew they could not live without the true teaching of the forgiveness of sins. That is that great truth that had been in the church but needed to be recovered, that we are only saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I mean, the Reformation largely occurred because of this, because of the doctrine, the teaching of the forgiveness of sins. How do I get a gracious God? What does it mean that the eternal Son of God came down from heaven and became man for us in our salvation? The Reformation was all about making sure that consciences were freed from false teaching that had left them in dread and terror. And it was all about leading them to the true teaching of the gospel that gave them the comfort and consolation that Christ desired to give them. They believed the gospel wasn't about how good you are as a person or about earning your salvation, but it's all about the free forgiveness we have in Christ. It's, about, it's a message about God's Son who became man for our sakes who died for our sins and rose again for our righteousness. And where there is no sound preaching and teaching, 
Where there's no sound doctrine, there is no gospel. This message must not be changed or soft-pedaled. Because doctrine is not only a message. It's not just information. It is the very power of God for your salvation. Now the Jews Jesus was talking to thought they were free. But they were slaves. They believed many false things. And these false teachings blinded them to who Jesus was as their Messiah and to his gospel. Now the problem is that our sinful flesh likes to believe the lies. And this false teaching that we like to believe will lead us and keep us in slavery. But we can be tempted to think here this morning, we're Lutherans. We've never been slaves to anyone. We've never been slaves to any false teaching. But of course we must be on guard. We must constantly be in the scripture and our confessions to make sure we're grounded in the truth of God's holy word. How many of those that bear the name Lutheran this morning actually confess these truths that they fought for at the Reformation? We cannot ever think we know it all or that we are not susceptible to false teaching. And we can't think, well, because I haven't fallen into false teaching before, I'm incapable of falling into it down the roads. We must constantly be evaluating what we believe. And at the root of this false doctrine is sin and Satan. He is the father of lies. And Satan's goal is to get you to believe the lie so you take your eyes off Jesus, so you're in bondage to his false teaching. The fact is, today, many are in bondage to false teaching, both inside and outside the church. They are in bondage to lies. So this morning, I want to look at some of them. We obviously can't look at all of them on a Sunday morning. But look at some of these that I think are especially prominent right now, both inside our own denomination and outside. In our own church body, many reject the teaching on closed communion because they're in bondage to false teaching about Christ's Holy Supper. And I think related to this is something that's really dangerous, and that is the sin of being nice. We are not going to make it in the world we live in if we think the goal of a Christian is to be nice and not hurt anyone's feelings. And that if we do, that we've somehow sinned as a Christian. This idea is on a church sign just over there, just across the streets, that says, everyone's welcome at the Lord's table. First of all, nothing is defined there, so it's hard to know what any of that actually means. But is that ever actually true? I mean, when churches serve utter atheists and pagans, and I even know of cases of dogs being served communion, like actual dogs, then it shows we're more concerned about being nice than about the truth of God's word. Even misunderstandings and false teachings about everything from creation to baptism to a great deal of damage or own myths. For example... Many are confused what, about what it means that God created us male and female. And there are indeed different callings for men and women, both inside and outside of the church. Among other issues, this is why so many in our own church body have pushed to have women pastors. They're blinded to the true teaching. The confusion on marriage and gender in our culture that is destroying lives and causing untold devastation on families and children is all the result of a lie. The rejection of God's word of truth. Consider, too, raging all around us, these fights on race and economic issues. They're almost always grounded in lies. Like the lie, and if you're not familiar with this, you need to get familiar with it, of critical race theory. Or the lies of Marxism. And I should add, you can be the most devout capitalist in the world, but if you think that life 
and your purpose in life is about making money and getting stuff, then you believe Marx's view of man and aren't really any different than a pull-out Marxist. Behind these things is the rejection of God's clear word of truth that would clear up all confusion and give us a way forward. What about the so-called cancel culture? Where if you've sinned some way in the past, and here we're using the term sin loosely, if they think you've sinned in the past, if you've appeared to something wrong, or said something wrong, or been wrong on whatever the social, issue, social justice issue of the day is, then they get rid of you. They try to cancel your accounts. They try to get you fired from your job. But behind this is something more deadly, more wicked. And that's this wicked notion that we should show no mercy to people because of their past sins. And here I'm meaning real sins. And that there can be no forgiveness for past sins. That you can't ever have a do-over. That you can't ever move on from what you've done in the past. Now the lie behind most of these lies in our culture is what's called secular humanism. And it really is a religion. If you listen carefully, what do they say? They say they're woke. Right? You can't be a Christian and woke. Because what they're saying you're woke to, what you now believe is contrary to God's word. And it is just another form of salvation by works. It may not be the exact same salvation by works that we saw at the time of the Reformation. But it's the same sin under a different name. Now maybe one you haven't thought about that's quite different in many ways. But what about the lies, the teaching? the doctrine that come through us so fast through social media every day. The lie that if you're on there, you'll be happier, which has been demonstrably shown to be not true. The information overload that's making people miserable. The constant distraction that's keeping them from living real lives. These things are shaping your thinking and damaging your soul in ways that we can't even fathom right now. And one of the reasons change is happening so fast in our culture is because false teachings spread so rapidly through it. And the more we're all looking at different screens, we're all getting different messages about those things, and we're all being shaped in very different ways. I mentioned this, a reference this in Bible study. One of the biggest dangers it's doing is stealing time. The lie that these things are more important than the time you'd be doing something useful and purposeful with your life. Now, as I said, inside and outside the church, the vast majority of people do not believe their sins will really damn them to hell apart from Christ. They really still do believe good works can save them. All of these different things, if you look under the covers, if you look beyond what's being said, there really is this idea that, one, we can bring salvation here on this earth, that we can save ourselves, that we can do it apart from God. There's a lot more examples that could be given. My point in sharing these is I want to show how easy it is to be blinded by false doctrine. Maybe you've even held or do hold some of these false teachings. But we have to be aware of these false teachings and see them for what they are. You must see these false teachings and all false teachings for the chains of bondage that they keep you in. Because all false teachings lead you away from Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. Now one of the dangers of all false teachings is ultimately they can blind us to our true condition and the true teaching of God's word. And this can lead us further into sin. And then false doctrine and sin lead us down the path of darkness. Samson's a great example of this, right? He ends up rejecting true teaching, clinging to false teaching, giving himself over to sin, 
and he literally becomes bound and blind. Sin led him to be bound and blind and does the same to us. And then blinded by sin, we end up groping in the dark, seeking after false gods and false freedoms. Consider what Peter says. They, the false teachers, promise them freedom, false freedom. But they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person to that, he is enslaved. If after they've escaped the defilements of this world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last day has become worse for them than the first. And where do people end up then? They end up in out and out, outright idolatry. They end up in sexual immorality, which, according to the Bible, is any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage. They end up thinking the pursuit of wealth and money is their purpose. Or again, they turn to their own good works. Now, oftentimes, these things start, these sins, are because we're led astray by false teaching. Sometimes, we sin and then we need a false teaching to back up our sin. But either way, we need to see these things for what they truly are. We must be aware of falling back into the slavery of false teaching. We have to remember that when we're tempted by the devil and his lies, what Luther said in the hymn we just sang, one little word will fill him. Liar. The devil is the father of lies. It is, though, the truth, the sound doctrine that sets us free. Slavery to sin and false teaching is not what God ever intended for any of us. Think about in the Garden of Eden. They're created perfectly free. They're happy. They're free from the bondage of sin. Man had a perfect relationship with God at that moment. But Adam and Eve forfeited their freedom in the fall. Why? Because of the false teaching of the devil. That freedom, true freedom, can only be restored by the truth of the gospel. Because as we've heard, it's not only a message, but it's the power of God to salvation. And that freedom, the Bible says, was bought with a price. The death of God's own son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved or freed through him. In Christ's death you see the love of God for you even in the midst of your sin. The blood of Christ covers all your sins of thought, word, and deed. And it is the blood of Christ that frees you and makes it so you will never see death eternally. Because the Son has set you free by his death and resurrection. And he gives you that freedom. He applies that freedom to you through preaching and teaching. I mean, the image used throughout church history is that you're in chains, you're in bondage, you're in a prison. And you need someone to come along with the right key. All those false teachings are the wrong key that can't open the lock. But it is a pure teaching and preaching of the gospel that opens those locks and sets you free. So too in your baptism you are set free. So Paul can say in Romans 6, For one who has died has been set free from sin. And in the absolution of the Lord's Supper, you're kept in that freedom. So if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. So Psalm 118 says, Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. And he has indeed set you free. He set you free from the penalty of sin, eternal death. That penalty has been paid for by Christ. He set you free in your conscience before God. Christ comforts your conscience, declaring you forgiven, declaring you free from the eternal consequences of sin. He set you free from the power of sin. Again, in Romans 6, it says that Christ has given you his spirit so that you are free. 
You're free from the curse of the law because Christ became a curse on the cross for you. You are free now to love and serve your neighbor because you're no longer under the burden of trying to earn your salvation. You can freely love them for who they are, the way God has called you to, without worrying about how many points it earns you with God. How many points you might lose if you don't do it the right way. You are clothed with Christ and in him you are free. You're no longer a slave of sin and Satan. You are freed. You are a child of God. Jesus has freed you from the bondage of sin. And because he, the Son, has set you free, you are free indeed. Free from sin and the guilt of sin. Free from the accusations of the devil. Free from the punishment your sins deserves. Even free from eternal death itself. And today it's that true teaching, the true doctrine of our Lord Jesus Christ that keeps you free. Which means that yes, sound teaching, true teaching still matters. Whether it's 503 years after the Reformation or 1,000 years after the Reformation. Because the Reformation and what was proclaimed then still matters because the gospel still matters no matter what year it is. It's the true teaching of the gospel that's made and kept you free in Christ Jesus. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Amen. The peace of God passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.